you would stand with me for the reading of God's Word, we're going to be looking at giving in Proverbs, and it won't be just one passage. We're going to bounce around a little bit. Um, Adam and I drew straws on who would have to do the giving sermon, and I won the first one. It went to two out of three. I won. He went to three out of five, four out of seven. I kept winning. He said, well, you're the associate. You have to do it this time. So, no, I'm, I'm kidding. I... I mean, this has blessed me, so I hope that this will be a a blessing uh, for all of us. So we're going to start in chapter 3, verses 9 and 10, and then we'll jump over to uh, chapter 15 and chapter 21. A couple verses here. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. Next, chapter 15, verse 16 says, Better a little with the fear of the Lord than great treasure and trouble with it. And finally, chapter 21, verse 2 Every way of a man is right in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs the heart. Amen. God's word for us this morning. Please be seated. I invite you to keep your Bibles open as we work through those three passages. And also, at the back of your bulletin, you've got an outline that you can use. And you'll also notice, what is this thing clumping up the, the bulletin? At the back there, that's a, a popsicle stick. Okay, And that's what they use at the doctor's office. Unless my wife pointed out, it's not a popsicle stick. It's a tongue depressor, okay? So pretend that's a tongue depressor, but they're not as cheap on Amazon as a thing of popsicle sticks. But the question is this, who enjoys going to the doctor for that once a year physical? Not many, right? You get multiple checks, and one of them sometimes they'll kind of stick that tongue depressor, and they're, you gotta, you gag, right? And you just tolerate it. Once a year, i got to get this done. So we're going to acknowledge that's often the view of the giving sermon. You know, oh, I heard this before, but I've got to tolerate it. Okay, we'll, we'll deal with it. So we're going to acknowledge that, that that's the way a lot of folks feel about the giving sermon. Hopefully when it's done, that won't be the way you feel that, oh, I got gagged. So it will hopefully not turn out that way. But... That's kind of how we're going to work through the sermon, is when you think about going to the doctor, you know, first thing, they check your vital signs, right? You get your, your, uh, your blood pressure and your pulse to see, Mr. So-and-so, Ms. So-and-so, are you healthy? Let's look at the numbers. Are you healthy or not? Then after that, there'll be a bit of a conversation Let's talk about your diet and your ex- Will you change some things? Okay? But then finally, after that's all done, you know, thank you, Mr. Sony, you can leave now. Oh, but on your way out, please stop down the hall so we can draw a little bit of blood. We need to see how things are under the covers. Can you really be healthy you know, if you've got this issue going on with your heart, your blood? So we're going to look at this in the same way for us as givers. And our big idea is simply this. True health is found by living according to a plan that seeks to give 
rather than get. Okay, so let's look at the first verse there. Chapter 3, verse 9. And Doc Solomon says this to us. Honor the Lord. So in the Hebrew, that word honor, okay, kavod, it means heavy, heavy. We are to treat God with great esteem and respect in a heavy way. The, the church is not one that is, is just does everything just by fundraising. You know, we, we're going to do a fundraiser for the youth, but that's maybe once a year kind of thing. The church is not just about all the bingo to raise money for it. It is supported by its own, not by fundraising. It's also not the kind of thing where you give to the church in the same way you might tip a waiter. You know, that, well, I kind of liked it. Well, I didn't like his sermon, but I like the youth director now. I'll, I'll tip a 20. It's not about tipping. That's not kavod. That's not honoring the Lord. It's not honoring the Lord. It's a bit more like a, a, a family business where everybody's involved, youngest to oldest, desiring, I want to do everything I can to help. And, and admittedly, there are some that are older, more talents, more resources. They might give more. But even down to the youngest, they want to pitch in. How can I help? How can I give? How can I be involved in this family business? And then there in the passage, it next says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. No, sorry, that's Adam's sermon next week. <laughs> Let me get to the right first. Honor the Lord with, all, with your wealth and with the first fruits. The first fruits, okay? In the Hebrew, first means, oh, first, okay? So it's saying give to the Lord first. The best, the first offering goes to him, Oh, but I don't know what's going to happen later. He's saying, trust me. And for the Hebrews, the Israelites, they would get that crop, the first fruits. And he's saying, I'm the giver. Give me back the first fruits. Trust me that more is going to come later. The first fruits. And, and, and it's been said, as far as the giving, it's kind of like the buttons on your shirt. Okay? If you mess up that first button... All of the rest are messed up, and maybe you notice that my shirt's kind of out of whack. I did that just to show if the first button's off, the others can't be right, okay? You've got to get the first one, then the second one. There's no fixing it if you don't get the first one right. God's saying, you got to get that right. Honor me first. Honor me first. And for, for, for Donna and myself... One of the blessings was when we were first seeing each other, her dad was all about giving to the Lord first. And he would kind of joke. He would say, you know, the common question, do you give off the gross or do you give off the net? And he would say, well, I want to be blessed off of giving off the gross. So he pushed giving off the gross. So she was raised all the years up to be a giver, okay, to be a giver. And if you think about that practical question, because everybody always asks, do you give off the gross? Do you give off the net? If you give off the net, then who got the first fruits? Uncle Sam did, okay? That's, that's you know, kind of the way it, it would appear to be. Now, 
we'll acknowledge uh, this, that, that one for some people may have been like, you know, we're at the doctor's office here. Oh, bam, you just hit me with the little thing that, or a little reflex. That hurt. Okay. We're going to step on toes a little bit in here. This, this pastor steps on my toes too. So if we step on your toes, go ahead, email me, call me, come see me afterwards. Let's talk about it. Okay. You get mad at me, that's okay. Come see me, talk about it. All right. Sometimes that's what God's word will do for us. But now the second half of the verse, the verse, okay? The good part. Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. Well, wait a minute. There are plenty of givers in here. We know that. We got some good givers in here. But I don't see their barns bursting and vats with wine. What is God's word not true? We got trouble. All is not well in Mayberry. This, whoa, something's not right here. Okay, so what do we do with this? Let's think about this. We'll say three C's conceptually, contextually, and covenantally. Okay, so the first one, conceptually. We're in Proverbs. Okay, Proverbs are different than Genesis through Deuteronomy. Historical narrative. Proverbs wisdom literature, different from the Gospels, different from Romans where Paul is given propositional truth. Daniel and Revelation, apocalyptic prophecy. Proverbs are not promises in the same way we claim a promise from Romans or something like that. Now, uh-oh, did he just say God's word is not to be taken literally true? No, no, no. God's word is literally the inerrant, infallible word of God, but we need to take it the way it's meant to be taken. You know, when Jesus says, I'm the door, we know he didn't mean I'm a door. Our minds, you know, take that right. So we need to take Proverbs in the right way. Okay, so conceptually. So, so what, what does that mean? Right, take them right, okay? So our economics professor, Dr. Pete Frank, there's a phrase in economics, ceteris paribus means all other things being equal, okay? So you have your supply and your demand and things. This is what the price is going to be, unless there are other effects. But we're going to look at the thing in the box, and that's the way it's going to be. So are we saying that, that it's just a little truism, that it's just in a box and it works that way, and as soon as you have other variables, it doesn't work? No, we're not saying that. Proverbs are much, much more important than that. So let's think about this contextually then, okay? For the Israelites in that society, agrarian society, they're growing their stuff. They're extremely dependent on God. When they were faithful to him, he was faithful to give them the rain that they needed to give the, the, the right weather so that in April they could harvest the barley, in May they could harvest the wheat, and on through September, and they've got the rest of the fruits and the, and, the, and the grapes. So he is blessing them as they are faithful to him. And they are desperate for him to provide for them. So they would have these storehouses above ground and in the ground to store the crops, these silos, the storehouses. We see referenced elsewhere in Scripture. They would have these um, presses carved into the rock where they could press the grapes into it, the, the, uh, the wine would flow into the vats, and in this case it's saying they would be overflowing when they were faithful to God. 
Okay, so that's not us right now, so let's get covenantal. But this flows forward for us. They're a a society completely dependent on God's blessing. They were God's chosen people, Israel. Now, we, as the New Testament church, are the New Testament Israel. Okay? So we can receive some promises in the same way. So now, are those promises the same that we might hear from maybe what we think of as the, the TV preachers who typically ask us for our money, or, or the prosperity gospel? So in this case, if we look at this slide, are we saying that, and the, the eyes kind of covered up, so we don't want to really give a name or anything, but you can have teeth like that if you send in your money, right? Okay, you, you can be blessed. Whatever you give, you'll get it back. Okay, no, that's not what we're saying either. But here's the good thing. We're actually saying it's better. It is better than having full barns, that's overflowing with wine, driving three Maserati. What? It's better the blessings that a believer receives because God says so. That we are storing up treasures in heaven. Scripture says that. We're not meriting anything for salvation. No way not saying that. But God's word says there are blessings for believers who are storing up treasures in heaven. And that means they last forever And so it's infinitely better than any of the toys and trinkets we can get here. God is promising that. Do not discount that. That is a truth that is coming through this passage for us that we see elsewhere in Scripture. God desires to bless his people. So, in a sense, Doc Solomon has said, hey, first part of the checkup, we're checking your vital signs are you, are you a giver? Look at the numbers. You don't have to tell me. You don't have to call out anything like that. You're, you know in your heart, God's saying, are you a giver? Are you a giver? It's not just about tipping him. And, and, and a challenge, say, for, for, for younger folks who are, who are just starting to make any sort of money, whatever. If you look at the, the picture of a high jumper, okay, a high jumper, what the high jumpers often say, if, if they can get their head up over the bar, then the rest of the body will hopefully follow. So in the same way, if there's somebody in here who's not a giver, then hopefully you're seeing in Scripture, it's saying, God wants you to be a giver. Get that in your head. Get that in your mind. And then hopefully the rest will follow. Take baby steps towards that. Wrap your head around that. And then continue committed. So many young folks nowadays, you just hear about the millennials and younger, and you know, bailing out. You know, we don't really commit. We try something, and we bail out. Don't bail out. Continue on. Make the commitment. Stay in. Stay on with it. So, in the doctor's office, we've got the question, are you giving? The next one is, the doctor says, will you? Will you change some things? You know, let's talk about your eating. Let's talk about your exercise. Let's talk about your stress. Will you make some changes? And there's two sins to avoid often in this, in the passage as we look at this, Proverbs 15, 16. Proverbs 15, 16 is is often related to this is is a bit of greed and a a bit of slothfulness that we'll look for a minute. But 
Solomon says, better is a little with the fear of the Lord than great treasure and trouble with it. So the doctor asks you some question maybe about your eating. You know, will you change that Twinkie for some turnips? <laughs> will you change that daily cheeseburger, double cheeseburger, for some Brussels sprouts, whatever? And, and at that point, oh, man, you kind of tune him out. Yeah, 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 but I'm, once I get out of here, I need my nuggets and my waffle fries and my milkshake. I need them. And, and, and let's face it, that's what we do. Our luxuries, our wants, they become, in our capitalistic culture, they become needs. I've got to have them. Okay, and so confession for me on this. Uh, fortunately for our family, Donna does most of the shopping, but there are times where uh, I go shopping and um, my needs... Um, caused me to kind of sneak in through the garage and store the stuff that, that I thought I needed but were quite once and so forth. So, you know, I, I don't do this quite well myself. i got to have that. But on, on a fortunate side for us in, in our marriage, we, we, we were on, on our honeymoon. So one day married or whatever, and we land um, in, in, in Cancun and we see this sign that says, hey, free um, Wave Runner rides or whatever if you just come and hear this little talk. I'm like, hey, great. Spidey sense you've been going off, but it didn't go off. I was like, this is a free deal. We'll just go listen. So after an hour and a half or two, we need this timeshare. Marriage can be hard. We need this vacation. And so let's start to map out how we can do these payments and uh, we're going to be in debt after two days of being married. And fortunately, I mean, really think it was the Holy Spirit convicting both of us. It's like, what in the world are you doing going in debt two days into being married? And we told the guy, okay, we're, we're not doing this. And it, it was just confirmation. He took the papers and just threw them across the table at us. Like, hey, you uh, kind of confirmed where this was coming from. Thank you, Lord, for uh, rescuing us from what we thought were our needs. We all do this. We all do this. But the passage is warning us about that. It's like our greatest need, our greatest need is that the depth of our relationship with the Lord. And he's a giver, and we want to hold the things he gives us loosely. He gives and he gives, and we say, these are ultimately yours. Let me hold them loosely so that we store up treasures in heaven. And then so we talked about the greed what about the, the slothfulness that I mentioned there? If we think, if you were to look at Matthew 25, Jesus rebukes a wicked servant, and he says, you slothful servant. So we think of, we think of sloth and laziness often as, you know, the, sitting on the, 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 the couch potato, flipping the channels, eating bonbons or whatever, you know, just that's laziness. Well, maybe that is, but laziness is, is a bit more than that. Okay, we're all passionate about something. So even the guy on the couch, he's passionate about comfort. Okay, we're all passionate about lots of things, and that could actually be sloth if we are not passionate about the good and the right things. That's sloth and laziness. And Jesus was warning the servant about that. 
He was warning the servant about that, and we tend to carry along with us, treating life as a cruise ship. i got to have all these things. These are my needs. No. Uh, yesterday on the, on the men's hike, Matt Depp led, led guys on a hike for the men's hike, and, and the guys weren't, you know, they're carrying a jacket, water, and, and a light lunch. They're not carrying the, the big charcoal you know, pit to, we're going to grill out up there. No, because it was going to be a hard hike to get to where the, the end destination was. You carry along what you need, okay? And that's, that's largely what Jesus is saying here. So now, two-thirds of the way through the doctor's appointment, We've, we've, we've asked ourselves, are you giving? Didn't really give you a motive. Will you change some of your giving? Didn't really give you a motive. So it's almost like this. It's almost like the, 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 the child, I think one of our children, who you're trying to get him to eat um, some broccoli. One of our children, we found out uh, after two years that there was broccoli uh, stored up in the crevices of the table where she had put it for two years. Don't know how we didn't smell it, but it was, it was amazing. It was like fossilized broccoli there. And so, you know, well, do you realize that there are children across the world who do anything to have that broccoli? Uh, we'll send it to them. Okay, so that, that didn't really hit the heart. It didn't hit the heart. Okay, so now Doc Solomon's saying, all right, we're, we're going to get to the heart here. So 21 verse 2, 21 verse 2, so you're, you're at the doctor's office and the doctor sends you down the hall to get the blood work because the question is, you know, are you a giver? Will you change the thing? Can you possibly be a giver? Is it in your heart? Is it in your blood? 21 verse 2 says this, every way of a man is right in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs the heart. The Lord weighs the heart. So we're checking the blood. We're seeing, do you have the gene, the owner gene, or the steward gene? The owner gene or the steward gene? The owner gene says, this is my stuff. It's mine. The steward gene says, I've been entrusted to care for these blessings. They really belong to the owner. And we've got an identity crisis if we can't resolve that I'm a steward, not an owner. We can go back to Genesis 1. Okay? Adam and Eve. Care for this. Enjoy this. Subdue this. Rule over this. Take care of this. But you're a steward. No, we want to own it. We can do better. It's ours. We'll be like God. So when you, when you consider the things that you have, you know, you think of the, the, the two glasses. If we think of two, two cups here, you got the cup on the left, which is half empty. I don't have much. I, I can't really give because I, I don't have much. Maybe I'll have more later, but I don't have much. Or the glass on the right, which is half full. Oh, they're exactly the same. That's right. But the person saying it's half full, I, 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 I want to give. I want to give. Whatever I have, I, wa I want to give. I, it's half full. But better than that, better than that is the next one where it's literally realizing that the, the, the cup is overflowing. Whether I've got a little, moderate amount, a whole lot, whatever, God's pouring into me. I want 
I want to be overflowing because I'm a steward. God, you're giving to me whether I have 10, 100, 1,000, whatever. I want to be overflowing to others. And we realize, okay, when you're working 40, 50, 60 hours, whatever, for the money to buy the stuff, you spend on what you love. You're starting to get at the motive here. You spend on what you love. Thomas Kramer said this. He said, what the heart loves, the will chooses, and the mind justifies. What the heart loves, the will chooses, and then the mind will justify it. So what is it? What is it that we love? We're always reordering our loves, which will then reorder our lives. Consider then our loves. Are they according to God's economy? And, and so if, if we think about this, to, to encourage many folks in here, many of you are stewards. You, you, you tithe to your local church. You give offerings on top of that. You're the ones who, you know, whereas, whereas folks um, will get an investment report back from Fidelity or Schwab or whatever, hey, look, my investments are doing great. You view the, 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 the missionary letters that, that, that we have here through the missions team or from other outside missionaries that you support, you're seeing, hey, man, they're doing well. This is storing up treasures in heaven. My giving to them is an investment in heaven, which is much better than these financial rewards here on earth. Be encouraged. But some of you are, are, are tippers. You're the tippers. You're willing to give some here and there. Stop badgering me. Make my conscience feel better. I'll throw in a little bit. Okay? And, and don't worry. We don't know what you give. Don't want to know. But God knows. So it's between you and the Lord. And maybe, maybe your challenge is security. I got to have enough to be safe. I got to have enough for the future. Never know what's going to happen. But the salvation... Okay, to quote Howard Cole, one of the past pastors here, said, salvation by self-manufactured security ends in fear. It will end in fear. Never going to have enough. So Jesus knew that. He knows that about us. He says, seek first the kingdom of God. So could you, would you, a tipper, would you see this as a family effort around giving? Some of you are underemployed, underemployed, unemployed. I wish I could give something, but I need to pay this off, or I need to get this straight first. In 2 Corinthians, there's a powerful story where it's the ones who are the poorest of the poor who are, in a sense, like the toothpaste that's squeezed and, and afflicted, and they're the ones saying, let us give, let us give. It oozes out. They want to be givers. In fact, of the matter is, if we think of here in Indian Trail, Wesley Chapel, looking at the median mean income, about the same, around $60,000. So, versus the rest of the world, median income, 60000 is 30 times larger than the median income for the world of $2,000. We are rich here. Should we be giving? 
If we're making 6,000, 60,000, 600,000, God says, yes, give the first fruit, give the first fruit. And I know there's some circumstances that can make that you know, impossible maybe to some extent. And so that's to deal with you and the Lord, okay? But we're seeing in Scripture God saying, give the first fruit, give the first fruit, okay? So I'm not saying this in an you know, in, in, uh, uncompassionate way to those who are, you know, in a special circumstance by any means, but just getting us, myself, everybody, wrestle with God's Word in this. Some of you have a lot. Some of you have a lot and there's a temptation to hoard it, no matter how much it is. And here we would think of our, our friend, the little guy here. It's, it's mine. It's my precious. I've got it. It's all mine. Okay? So, and we're going we're gonna to hoard that stuff for ourselves. The word here is humility. Humility is here. If you see a turtle on a fence post, how'd that get there? Didn't get there by itself, okay? Or if you have in a baseball game, the catcher gets up and smashes a triple. He's on third base, two outs, need a pinch runner. So the pinch runner goes in, he's on third base. Next guy rips a double out in the gap. The guy from third base who was just a pinch runner who just ran that short little distance there, hits home plate. He's not pounding his chest, you know, look at me, look what I did. He's like, hey, the other guy hit the triple, got, this guy hit the double. I couldn't help but be here. He better be humble about it. So in reality, no matter what we have, if we don't have the humility to say, Lord, you gave me the talents, you gave me the stuff, and if I'm arrogant about it, it could be gone like that, then we all need more humility. So, true health is found by living according to a plan that seeks to give rather than get. And, and, and brothers and sisters, we have an infinite debt, had an infinite debt for an infinite offense, and Jesus Christ paid an infinite cost for us. You are debt-free in the most important type of debt you could ever have. He's taking care of the removal of sin, the removal of bondage, the removal of the devil's leash on you. He has taken care of it. Gone. But then it gets better. He's saying, you... You have a co-inheritance with me. What's mine is yours. For eternity, you will enjoy the best with me, with my Father. What's mine is yours. We sit on infinite riches because of Christ. Pray with me. Lord Jesus, Indeed, as we wrestle through stuff that's hard, because we like our stuff, I like my stuff. I earned it. I did it. No. Lord, you are a giver. You give us so much. Whether we have much stuff, 
now or a little stuff now. You have given us Christ. Help us, therefore, to spread through giving in and amongst our people, to help through giving outside of these walls that Christ might be set apart, that Christ might be glorified, that the world might see Christ in us. We pray this in his name. Amen. Thanks, brother. If you're able, please stand with us as we end our time together with the song.